Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. But yeah, was more Cameron than Dipset? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. He's back out, Cameron, doing lots of pink things. I, I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of Cameron. I feel like he's underrated as a rapper. Yeah, because you know what he is? He's, a, he's like a storyteller. And you don't really have storytellers anymore. It's like a, a bygone era. Hmm. You know? Jay-Z a bit. Yeah, I mean... Did you listen? Did you eventually listen to the new Jay-Z album? Yeah, yeah. What did you think? I mean, it's, it's I think, better than expected, but I still have an issue with people of a certain age. Rapping, rapping okay. But the beats were good. I think it's a young young man's game. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, it was well done. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Yeah. Okay, joining me today, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is Danny Isroff. Hi. That was a bit of a delay. Sorry, but. yeah. <laughs> I was busy reading my notes, but well, yeah, I'm yeah. here. Okay, you're, definitely you're, here. you're in the house. Yeah. And this is very special. In the flesh, our South American correspondent, it's Daniel Hadeda Jordan. Oh, hi. Great to be here, finally. Yeah, so nice to have you in studio for once. Well, thank you very much. Should anybody wish to get in touch with Daniel and tell him how he's doing on this podcast, you can send your emails to podcast at onefootball.com or you can do it the old-fashioned way and get onto iTunes, give the pod a rating and leave a comment to let us know how you think we are doing. So, guys, you know how newspaper and websites like to do that sort of thing that you've learned over the weekend? Okay. You've read these things before. Of course we have. Yeah, it's fairly we, standard. We do version. it once in a while ourselves. We do it every once in a while, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've learned a few things over the weekend. Tell us. Okay. Uh, first of all, pictures of Chris Froome naked scare the absolute bejesus out of me. What did you do this weekend? Ian? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I showed you this picture already. Oh, yeah, no, I have seen it. You've seen this picture, right? <laughs> yes. I'm actually, I, I, know, I know what you're talking about. And I'm going to show it. Daniel hasn't seen it, so I want to get his sort of live reaction, oh, reaction? to it. Oh, so if I pass idea. you my okay, phone no, yep. and you can give it to him. Oh boy, yeah. what did I get myself into here? This is, this is live on the podcast. Wow, okay. Good for you. I had a very productive weekend, I see. It's, <laughs> it's something else, isn't it? It's, it is, it is. It's not... Uh... I've been looking at it all weekend. I don't know if you really want to see this picture of Chris Froome wearing nothing but a bike. Uh, go to the Times where there was a big piece on him. <laughs> It's 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 scary. Yeah, I can't. I genuinely, I'm gonna have to put my phone away because I'm I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> anyway, the second thing that I learned is Jamal Lascelles, who scored the winner for Newcastle against Stoke. Every time he scores, his mother gives him a fiver. Only a fiver. Well, <laughs> I thought that was he, he probably. I mean, that's that's quite nice for. But I imagine his uh, his contract with Newcastle probably sees him get a little more than that. Probably a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. It's cute though. It is cute, isn't it? Yeah. Right? She tweeted about how she was going broke over this. <laughs> <laughs> She's been doing it ever since he was a youth player at Nottingham Forest. Okay, number three, the Premier League title will be won by one of the clubs from Manchester. We'll come back to this in a minute. We will. Arsenal can actually play in an organised fashion. Although, was that because a certain Mesut Ozil was not in the side? Eh? Eh? Barcelona have in some way pissed off karma and are really paying for it. And finally, Paolo Dybala is the new Paolo Dybala. I like that. That's a good okay. one, isn't yeah. it? Okay, where would we like to start with that? Should we go with maybe a bit of Arsenal-Chelsea since that was the sort of big game of the weekend? Yeah, sure. I mean, it was definitely uh, the big game of the weekend before it was played. I think it was a bit, <laughs> a bit, a bit dull in uh, retrospect. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the big question is sort of why don't we see this more often from Arsenal, that kind of defensive performance against the big sides. Obviously, they struggle against the, 
the the big sides are having recent seasons and i think they they've actually shown that they're capable of it 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 really comes down to wenger for me because they have the players to do it now with with shaka and and ramsey who can run around all day and elneny who can come on kolasinac adds a, a certain sort of physical <laughs> physical factor as well and it's really about uh is Wenger actually prepared to 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 be the reactionary one in a game? Because normally he goes out and says, okay, we're going to do what we're going to do. Let's not worry about the opposition. But if he actually sets up and, and sort of, I think it's a, a bit of a matter of respect as well, respects the opponent and, and says, okay, we're going to come in, we're going to grind out a, a, a result. They're really capable of doing that. It's not glamorous, but it, it's, it's what's necessary. Yeah, well, I think... I mean, they did do well. I mean, defensively, as you said, they do seem a bit more solid than they have any other time throughout the season, I think. But uh, I think it came at a big price because, well, they had to, they, they had to not play with Uzil or Sanchez. Uh, and they had to play with five players that are definitely for, made for the defense. I mean, Kolasinac gives you a lot of depth, maybe, but he's a robust player that's really better at you know winning balls and, and, and scoring goals. And uh, you did kind of notice in the lackluster game in the end that that was sort of like the quintessential thing about Arsenal in that game, that uh, they simply didn't have enough punch to like actually inflict some damage on Chelsea. But uh, having said that, they did, do per- they did perform really well back and they didn't uh, you know, let Chelsea score one or two. So, you know, it, it's, a good, it's a trade-off. But uh, Wenger will have to figure out how to get that thing to work constantly and how to make it work a bit more efficiently up forward because with, uh, without... Sanchez or Uzi, you did miss that final, you know, uh, oomph maybe. Which leads me to my next question, and I'm hoping one of you can explain this to me. I don't understand Danny Welbeck. Uh, he doesn't score a lot, he doesn't link up play, and he looks really uncomfortable in possession. You remember that gif of the horse falling over the uh, the ball from the gym? I think that's that, a bit harsh. Yeah, uh, that's what it feels like to me when Danny Welbeck harsh. gets the ball. So, so I think a couple of things. I think you know what he is, is it's a perfect sort of what I would call a Sir Alex Ferguson player who might not do the headline grabbing things, but I think if you give him a role in a in a team, especially in this kind of big game where uh, he, you know, a lot of running is required basically and a bit of tactical news as well, um, he can perform that role really well. I don't think he's ever going to be the the 20 goals a season striker or sort of a, 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 a you know, dangerous runner on the wing or anything like that. But he... He has a function, and when called upon in these kind of games, I think he typically, typically provides. Okay, that's, that's my opinion. Okay, I don't. Know, no, I, yeah. I think. I think the horse uh, on Jimbo analogy is a bit harsh. A bit harsh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the David Luiz yellow card or the David Luiz red card? Antonio Conte seems annoyed that David Luiz got a red card. Seems pretty obvious uh, to me. Well, Antonio Conte is annoyed by most things, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's 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 a red no question these yeah. days when you go in like that. And he was giving out that Sanchez might have failed in the lead up to it. It's immaterial. Yeah, it doesn't excuse the the tackle afterwards. Okay, the yellow card, the high foot. There's been a lot of talk about high feet in the Premier League of late. You weren't here last week, but we 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 said that um, we thought it, we all thought it was a red card for for money for money. Yeah, I disagreed. You disagreed with that, yeah. I mean, so we don't, you weren't we, on the we, podcast. We don't have to revisit it, but yeah, I think. Um, I mean, the fu- the 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 fun well, thing for me is that the, this stuff is still up for debate. Well, you know, I mean, with bringing in sort of video replay and stuff, I think some some feared that we would lose the 
debate aspect. Well, you'd be surprised. I mean, right now there's actually like Cologne, they're right. calling for a rematch against Dortmund after the 5-0 yesterday due to the VAR system mm-hmm. admittedly screwing up. I mean, they, it didn't pick up on the offside and uh, that cost, uh, well, Cologne a really hefty defeat. So I think that the VAR shouldn't really be an element that would, you know, sub, you know, would take away part of this debate on whether on whether uh, certain fouls are red or yellow, deserve a red or yellow card. But uh, definitely, there's that gray area in the rules where you know tackling up high, whether if it's done for the ball or it's the mere intention of the player that matters most. That I think is still going to be sort of like the ba- the biggest debate. That gray area that well still hasn't really been resolved and won't be resolved with with. Um, uh, video assistance. I think if somebody's going for an overhead kick, and everybody loves an overhead kick, so we don't want to eliminate this from the game. Yeah. But if somebody's going for that, and the defender puts his head in the way, well, I, kinda, I don't understand. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think that's a yellow card. What he was but, getting himself into there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but how is that that different from Mane going for the ball with his boot and the goalkeeper putting his head in the way? That's a fair point. It's, you've that's gone good. from not even a yellow to straight red. That, that's fair. Yeah. I well, guess. So, yeah. It, it's it's complex. I it think it it's, is. Yeah, because yeah. in, in the end, the only difference is a matter of style. I mean, it's aesthetics, not mm-hmm. function. Well, I guess um, the Man City's name, Ederson. Yeah. Uh, he came out with a very severe injury, as opposed to right. But that's is that Mane's fault necessarily, or just sort of blind luck, or the fact that Ederson came in at at a high speed? You know, it's, well, I guess Mane's foot being in his face would suggest that <laughs> it was yeah. his fault. But yeah. it, I mean, it, on the other hand, if if for example. He turned his head and just avoided the studs. Mm-hmm. Then what? It, that that affects whether or not it's a a red card for me. That shouldn't be a. That were, I would give that a yellow card. Interesting. Okay. But anyway, okay. that's a maybe that's a much longer debate. Yeah. yeah. And we we talked a lot about it last week. The one thing I did want to mention, I don't know if either of you noticed uh, during the game, um, Kante had a really poor game, and he doesn't work well with Fabregas. I think, I mean, everyone was saying it before. I think they really made a big mistake by selling mm. Matic to Man United. I think that was a, a really, really good partnership and it was the foundation for so much of what they did last season. And it's, yeah, it's just not there. Silly, silly. Yeah. Is what I yeah. would say. Uh, Manchester United beat Everton 4 0. Man City hammered Watford 6 0. They're first and second in the table with City on top because of the alphabet. Yeah, that's the C, C before the U. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think it's just for sort of aesthetic reasons. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah. But then, like, imagine if this happens—not not very likely it will happen. You know, in 29 games or 30, wait, last 38 games. That would, yeah. The, 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 I think Danny has the answer for so this. So yeah, one. I've actually I've looked it up. Okay. And what happens is if they're completely even at the end of the season, it's not alphabetical. You'll be glad to hear. Uh, they do a one-game playoff match. Oh, they do. Yeah, that's really. Nice. Yeah, which I think would be uh, would be really fun. I, I really hope one of those happens sometime soon. Oh, that would be huge. Yeah, that'd be, that'd I would think cool. No? It doesn't like if so. What would happen is that they'd have to be on identical so, yeah, amount of goals points, scored, points, conceded. goal difference, yeah. goals scored, and they must have drawn obviously. both games. I mean, it must have been one one in both fields on both fields because otherwise that could also be a. a, a I don't know if head to head applies at all in the Premier League. I'm not sure on that, but yeah, okay. basically, if everyone's. Or even in in any uh, position, actually. So, if, for example, if twelfth place is a a flat draw between Burnley and Bournemouth, for example, mm-hmm. they play each other in a one game play. Oh, because it matters for money. Yeah, it does matter for money. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's at least you know you've come away from this learning something today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to know: Have Barcelona pissed off karma? 
Definitely. I think... Uh, That's bad, isn't it? It's you awful. I mean, you would never root for something like this to happen, but... Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's <laughs> well, it like, sounds... But... It's, it's, it's but. a really good story. I mean, they, they spent all summer bickering over this transfer and just fighting up and forth and with the whole Neymar drama, then the Dembele drama, then the Coutinho drama. The guy that they do bring in ends up, you know... Not being available for the rest of the better, well, for better part of the season, at least, at least for 2017, he's out. While he gets back in shape, while he, you know, figures everything back, um, he won't be back till March, at least. So that's not easy. And you did spend a hefty amount of money bringing in this player that was supposed to be the new, not only on the field, the new superstar, but this guy that was supposed to sell millions and millions of jerseys as well, and he's not playing. So imagine Lukaku being injured right now in Man United after all the money that went mm. into him. I mean, it would be that much of an impact, I think. I feel bad for the kid because Definitely. I, I think in a way it adds a bit of pressure when he comes back, especially if, if Barca are struggling. You know, now if he would have come in, people would have given him a bit of time to get adjusted and whatever. Yeah. But you can imagine it comes February and say, say, say Barca are struggling a bit and he comes back, he's going to be sort of expected to be the savior yeah, but right away. Barca fans tend to also be kind of relentless. I mean, everything that goes on with um, well, all the new players that have come up and the team that haven't really performed up to, up, up to task. De Lufeo is a good example too. He just got there mm. and they're expecting him to be the savior of this knight in shining armor. And he, well, he's still adapting and, and fans aren't that pleased. So I think that impatience in Barcelona could end up being weary, as you say, with, uh, with mm. Dembélé down the line. But they still have that guy, the guy with the 10. Argentinian guy. Mascherano. No, no, no. Uh, Messi, Messi, oh, Messi. That guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear he's decent. Is yeah, he better really than Dybala? Uh, yes, and Dybala was asked this question. Was um, he really? He Not was. Really. No, no, yeah, Who seriously. Dybala, because though? Uh, in the, in the uh, I don't know if it was the press conference or the interview after the game, but uh, they said he's being compared to Messi. What does he think of that? So it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Messi's, okay. the, Messi's the things that Messi have accomplished and the things that I've accomplished are just yeah, Messi's the Messi of football let's just yeah. Yeah. I've got a couple of deep ballers stats 52 goals in 100 games in his last four games he's 8 goals 2 hat-tricks and he's Serie A top scorer is this the year he truly announces himself as one of the best? well I think I mean He's definitely announced it. I, I looked it up. He's an 88 in FIFA. So he's definitely announced himself. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the definitive ruling. But um, I think what we're seeing early in this season is a sort of changing in the guard a little bit between him and Higuain. He, yeah. he was a bit overshadowed by, by Higuain's goal scoring last season. And I think he's really embracing the role as the main guy. You can see him taking initiative and, and taking shots, looking to shoot rather than pass which is always a, a, a sign of, of sort of that main dude in the team. And if you haven't seen it already, uh, listeners, go check out his hat-trick against Sassuolo at the weekend. All three excellent goals. Especially yeah. the, the second one, which was the little toe poke, Ooh. which I absolutely love a little toe poke, and I don't understand why players don't do it more. There's a lot to be said for a toe poke, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty fancy move there. So Danny, we're coming towards the end of the MLS season with just a few games left to play before we get down to the nitty-gritty of the playoffs. So where would you like to start? Atlanta? Atlanta, yeah. That's exactly where your I Because it's your favourite team right it's, now. It's one of my favourite stories, I think, of the, of the year in any league across the world. Uh, they opened their new stadium a few weeks ago and had 45,000 people for their first game. They're sharing it with the NFL team there, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they'd closed the, they have this very clever design where they can close the top tier. 
Yeah, um, it's it, similar to the one that Vancouver has in, the, in, in British right. Columbia. Correct. So so they closed it for the first game and had 45,000. And then they played Orlando this weekend, and guess how many people they had? 46? 70,425 people. They sold out the stadium. At, at an MLS game, which is a record for a, a sort of standalone MLS game. Because Atlanta would, I mean, I know Atlanta for like trap music. Right, no, I mean, and, and so do a lot of us, I think. Yeah, uh, but they have a, they really have a hardcore sports uh, fan base there. Football, the Falcons, well, they just came from the from the last year's Super Bowl. Well, that's uh, true. Basketball, they have the Hawks who have always kind of been around. Not the best team ever, but they're always kind of been around. And uh um, they've, even, they've even had hockey franchises there once or twice. Once or twice. So, I think the yeah. thing for me is that makes it even more impressive what what this Atlanta United team is doing because uh, I would have expected you know fans to gravitate towards other sport and yeah. for there not to be so much interest. But they've just been you know on the field. The games have been exciting. The atmosphere has been incredible. I would really encourage everyone to go on Twitter and and look up the videos of the atmosphere yeah. and it's a it's a real success story they're gonna almost almost definitely now gonna make the playoffs has the stadium got a catchy name it has a sponsor for it yeah well, unfortunately what it's is the it? uh, mercedes-benz Mercedes that's not so bad yeah we've, I mean, it's we've kind of wanted to hear about yeah, it yeah. it's okay i mean in yeah. places it is a gorgeous stadium you have to give that to I mean, yeah. it's really innovative all fancy and all new looking okay uh toronto uh, yeah, so Atlanta, Atlanta, the big thing. Toronto, uh, big thing off the pitch for sure. Uh, Toronto are the big thing yeah, the team on the beat. pitch. They just uh, you have them down as one of the best MLS teams ever. Well, they're actually so they're on pace to break the record for the most points in a single season, which was set by LA Galaxy in 1998. Um, they're, they're six points away from that. Uh, with uh, I think five games left to play, so they you 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 yeah, imagine they might make it, I mean. you imagine they'll get there. Yeah, they're unbeaten in eleven. They they've they've won six in a row. They're just smashing teams all over the place. Um, they went to LA this week without uh, Jovinko and without Josie Altidore and still won four now. At, uh, at, at LA Galaxy. At LA Galaxy. At Galaxy, yeah. yeah. Um, so we need, to, I, we need to talk about that in a minute. I, I, well, Galaxy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think. Um, Toronto far and away the 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 favorites for for MLS Cup. They've 63 goals all season. Way more than anybody else. Yeah, uh, they have a lot more of everything than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting because they, they weren't tooted as one of these big franchises when they came out and they've kind of proven that they deserve their place among the, the MLS roster. I mean, they're breaking records already made last year's playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, and they've been consistently improving, and you've seen that every single season. And now they're favorites to actually winning the thing. So Aren't they the reigning champs? No, they were in the final against oh, uh, Seattle. Yeah. Oh, Seattle. Yeah, Seattle won. took that one home. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's not so bad. They'll, they'll get it this year, yeah? I expect so, very much. They should. Okay, uh, so we mentioned LA Galaxy. They are... I mean, I'm looking at the overall... They're tanking. Yeah, I'm looking at the overall table here, and Let's they're let, let, second from bottom. So the thing about LA Galaxy is, if you asked you know, fans all over the world to name one MLS team, it's, yeah. it's probably LA Galaxy. I mean, they've, they've had the star powers, they've had the, the, the Beckham effect, they had the success when he was there. Robbie Keane. Um, yeah, of course. Ashley Cole. I, I was trying yeah, not to Tosanto's mention... Brothers. <laughs> not to mention Robbie Keane. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, the, the thing is, they're, they're going through a transition period. I mean, they lost... Uh, not only Robbie Keane and Steven Gerrard from last season, but also their manager, yeah. um, Bruce Arena, who took over as, ah, the, uh, as, as the manager of the national team. Yeah. Um, and they've tried to bring in some different players. They've got uh, Jonathan Dos Santos now, you know, 
with his brother Giovanni. Uh, and they're very much a team in, in transition. The real danger for me, for them, is that there's uh, LAFC, the new club coming right. into the league next year, and they could, you know, pretty soon be the the second best team in their own city, which would be pretty embarrassing Oof, for that is bad for, for a them. club of their stature. Yeah. yeah. Um, the I had a couple of questions for you, actually. Please, Bastian Schweinsteiger, how's he getting on? Yeah, quite well. I think Chicago started really, really well when he came over. I think to everyone's surprise, they they were really pretty shit last year. Oh, they're not one of the fancied um, franchises, no? Oh, no, no, no. 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 Like, not, not recently anyways. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They, they, back they, in the beginning. They, they had been back in the day. After, but, the, um, after the, yeah, two rounds of expansion, they've just kept on sinking in quality. And oh. Schweinsteiger actually kind of get... They won 3-0 three, one, three the, the first game Schweinsteiger played, I think. Yeah, they, so, they, they did very well when, yeah. when, when he came. Um, he's been sort of injured and old and uh, they're a bit <laughs> injured and old as a, as a team. Um, so they've sort of fallen down, but they're still gonna gonna make the playoffs now. And there's yeah. Y- yeah, the thing in MLS is that I always tell people you just never know. I think more than any other of the 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 big leagues. So there's every chance that they could. I just called MLS a big league, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> that was an error. But more than any of of, of the leagues that that that, that I follow, at least. Um, so there's every chance that that he could be there competing for MLS Cup. Okay, and Kevin Doyle. Uh, significantly, significantly less chance. No, um, that's very disappointing. Yeah, Colorado are are, are oh, pretty yeah, bad. They're, yeah. they're rubbish. Horrible. Okay, I think the worst team in the league. Yeah, they Colorado are Rapids is ranked twenty second right now, Poor. just above LA Galaxy, who's ranked twenty first. So rapidly going down. That's what happens yeah. when you get an Irishman on your team. <laughs> <laughs> just look at this podcast for further details. Yeah. Uh, let's get uh, some predictions for you from you for the playoffs before they come along. Uh, do we want? Uh, who's going to win it all? Teams that are going to make it. Uh, let's give me the teams who are going to make it to the playoffs, and then I'll get a overall winner. Overall from you. winner. Okay. Yeah. So the the um, how many teams go into the playoffs first? Start? Six from each conference. Oh, so okay. There, there are eleven teams in each conference, so you yeah. have a better chance of making the playoffs than not making the playoffs. I okay. Think, well, think maybe a, a more interesting way looking at it would be then: what are the big teams you think might miss out? Right. Oh, to miss out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you have in the West. I mean, uh, FC Dallas, who started the season as one of the, if not the strongest team in MLS, have absolutely capitulated. Mm. Uh, it, it's a fascinating story. I don't think anyone's been able to really pinpoint a reason why, and they are currently, as we speak, outside the playoff places in the uh, in the Western Conference. And I think that would be um, the big story if they if if they can't win. I mean, they haven't won. In it's now fifty-seven days, um, nine games. So if they if they can't start winning soon, they're not going to make the playoffs, and that would be a huge shock. Okay, so they'd be the biggest team to miss out by far. By okay, far. and I guess you're going to go with Toronto for the win. Yeah, I, I mean the thing is traditionally the winner of the Supporters Shield. Does, so it's only happened once in the past eight seasons that the winner of the 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 regular season, the best team in the regular season, the winner of the Supporters Shield has won MLS Cup. Um, but I don't think we've ever seen a team as dominant relative to the rest of the league. I think, especially if they can make it through the East, which is a lot stronger, Mm -hmm. um, they'll beat whoever comes out of the Western Conference. Okay. Well, very good then. Well, we'll make sure we get you back on when the whole thing is done. Excellent. And then we can talk a little bit more. 
Um, so a couple of podcasts ago, we had a Byron in Crisis piece. And it's lucky that you're here, Daniel, because it looks like it's time for part two. Yeah. Players are throwing their jerseys. Players are talking trash about the club. Other managers are saying they're coming for Carlo. They're getting beaten by Hoffenheim. Lewandowski is getting linked with Madrid, left, right and centre. I mean, where do you start with all that? That's a big mouthful, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's happened is basically FC Hollywood is back. The days of Effenberg and all the big names of, you know, you know, 1990s German football and all the drama that that came with is starting again. And uh, I think the main reason would have to be frustration with the, sort of like the objectives they have for this season. Nobody's really satisfied with the quality of the of the team, albeit the team still pretty decent and competitive, but I don't see them strong enough as a PSG at least, which is sort of like a moral conundrum for them uh, coming, you know, the the eventual and unavoidable, you know, matchup against PSG and, and Allianz Arena. So that has uh, that's kind of gone on everybody's skin. Ancelotti has been accused of not um, improving his his team whatsoever that he's just bringing in new names replacing names with other names and you have to keep in mind uh philip lam and xavi alonso perhaps two of the most solid ball passers in the game retired last summer so uh having lost a bit of orientation within the squad that didn't help also so naturally Lewandowski, who has always been really keen on being the top star he is uh, and really embellishing the that role he's playing well he, he started talking trash about um not you know not being up to par, Bayern not being up to par at least, that they should step up their expenditure and, and transfers. Thomas Müller uh, revived the rumors with Man United himself. Uh, so, yeah, that obviously didn't, didn't come in well. And, and Müller's uh, not happy with Ancelotti either. He says Because he, he's not playing. Yeah. I mean, he's not playing nearly as enough. And he's he's really one of those cases where he has every single moral high ground and that he's basically untouchable in, in, compared with any other player because he's the fan favorite. He's the homegrown. He won the Champions League. He's probably the only player alive that can break the the top World Cup goal scorer record. I mean, the guy, he checks all the boxes and uh, he has this moral authority within the squad to say anything he wants and not get anything other than a slap on the wrist, which is what happened. Lewandowski got told out in public by Rummenigge, uh, basically that if he doesn't like it, well, he should start thinking about other options. And that's when the Real Madrid uh, rumors started. Whereas Mueller was told, yeah, well, he should maybe not say those things. Uh, but, well, they won 4-0 in Oktoberfest debut, which is sort of like a big game for, for Bayern Munich. Uh, and everything seems to be easing a bit. But then again, it's Bayern Munich, so you never really know wh- what easy means and how long it lasts. So we'll have to see what happens uh, next season. They actually have a uh, next uh, match. They actually have a game tomorrow, I think. So uh, that uh, that could be an interesting test it's against Schalke, who, who is coming in strong and... I don't know. I, I don't see Byron as a solid as solid as it was last season, and it's starting to show, and, and they're starting to be annoyed by it. Has Ancelotti lost the dressing room? I think he has. I think he hasn't had the, the authority. He hasn't been the authority figure everybody thought he would have been. Everybody kind of had this image of him of this being really really hard and unflexible and uncertain things, yet friendlier and more approachable than Pep Guardiola was. But um, it's just not coming off. I mean, and you're seeing it in the results. The team is playing poorly. But hold on. Correct me if I'm wrong. They've only lost one game. Yeah, but that's Bayern Munich for you. That's all it takes. Okay. <laughs> it's that simple. I mean, uh, and the thing is that, well, yeah, albeit they've they've uh, only lost one game, but they, their game against, Ander, against Anderlecht in Champions League was heavily criticized for for being lackluster. And that's happened. And that's sort of been the status of every single game this season. Their style's a bit predictable too. It's become very predictable because you've lost, well, as I said, Xavi Alonso and Lam, two of the smartest players around. Uh, and now you rely heavily on Robin and Ribery, who are 33 and 34 each. So... Um, yeah, I mean, transition is 
definitely on its way and it's not as you know good as possible. I want to get your opinion on these Nagelsmann quotes. These are from a few days ago. Okay. Well, the city of Munich is definitely of importance to me and I am from, or rather have lived in Munich for many years. Originally, I'm from Landsberg, Amlek, which isn't far away from Munich. My wife and kid are going to move to Munich soon. We're building a house. Therefore, we do have a close bond to this area. It is our home. And even if, and even if I'm not going to coach Bayern, I will still be a happy person whenever I do die. I am very, very happy with my life. And Bayern might even make me a little happier. Well, I think it's pretty... Isn't that disrespectful? I mean... It's, yeah, it's definitely meddling in someone else's business some way or one or another. Um, but this ties really nicely with rumors of a meeting Uli Hoeneß and Nagelsmann had last summer, last uh, season, sorry, um, where they uh, apparently just basically agreed that once Ancelotti's contract is void, then he would take over. So that's sort of the Bayern way of doing things. And that's kind of like the smart way that Bayern has done things with coaches uh, uh, throughout the past seasons, at least. It's, it kind of adds up nicely to sort of like the philosophy of having a replacement already in line before they actually need the replacement. They did it with Guardiola when when Heinkes handed in his resignment. Uh, they did it with Ancelotti as soon as Guardiola said he wasn't, re- wasn't going to um, uh, resign. And they're kind of doing that with who better than this German rock star of a coach who's turned out to be smarter than anybody thought. I, so, I have no problem with the contingency plan. I just feel like Nagelsmann talking, well, uh, he did, talking he did about retract Carlo. in the end. He did say, well, yeah, it was inappropriate of me to say that thing. It was out of line, yeah. uh, but out of respect for the club. The club said uh, during the summer that they knew holding someone like Nagelsmann was impossible. So yeah. the whole Nagelsmann thing has kind of been brewing backstage for the past couple of months. So. I mean, everyone knows it's a bit like saying the sun's going to rise, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone well, yeah. knows it's going to happen. So. Oh, yeah, you just don't always need to mention it, though. I just feel like, ah, I, yes, we were yeah. talking about this in the office and it looked co- I thought it was a bit disrespectful. He could, yeah, he could have not said it and still been, would have been perfectly clear that he was going to Bayern. Yeah. Like, we, no one knew his family was moving and he was building a house. His quote was, he has more, uh, this is Nagelsmann talking about Ancelotti, he has more trophies in his cupboard than I have underpants. I've sent Carlo a text to explain how I meant what I've said. Which made me go back and count how many trophies Ancelotti's won. How many? 19. Yeah, Which bad. means Nagelsmann has less than 19 pairs of underpants in his wardrobe. Better keep them clean. Yeah. I think 19 is probably an appropriate amount. Really? Yeah. That's two and a half weeks worth. I mean, you're, got, yeah. you're solid. I guess you're, I don't do laundry that often. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Okay, well, we got a, we got another minute or two. You want to talk a bit of Wolfsburg, who sacked their manager? Yeah. Uh, Andres, first of the season? Yeah, Andres Jonker became the first uh, coach to be sacked in the Bundesliga, fourth uh, match day, same as last year. Uh, last season, Viktor Skripnik was the first sacked in Bremen. Um, yeah, it was exp- it was not a surprise. He was actually one of the someone actually won money on a bet he made on that that Juncker would be the first uh, coach sacked. Wolfsburg haven't been performing well. They have, I think, a decent a decent squad, one of the most expensive squads in Germany, um, and they're tanking. I mean, they played the relegation game relegation match last season. They barely made it. Uh, this season they, they started out poorly and they've appointed Martin Schmidt, who is the coach at Mainz, who was also sacked last season. Um, what could possibly go wrong? I I just it's a weird mix. I mean, given that there are several names available, Thomas Tuchel among them, uh, you know, to take up a team, and they do have the budget for that. Uh, going with someone as Martin Schmidt, who is a good coach, but is how should we say it, a bit too radical in his idea. He does commit to the whole crazy side of Tuchel thing, and uh, he sticks to that. And I don't know. It'll be an interesting experiment in any case. Okay, well, we'll keep an eye on that. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Danny, Daniel, and producer Damo. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. I like to fly. It's a wonderful night.
Thank you.